Cradleine Network. My friend Fox, and this is the 248th episode of Space oh, Spinner 2000. Christ. Yeah, buddy. Oh, God. It's a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November 1991, prog 756 to 759. This time... The ABC Warriors, Robo Hunter, and Universal Soldier all reach their climaxes. Dread. <laughs> yeah, such as they are. Dread fights the flab, Farrell goes to war, and Judge Anderson is back to solve these dang engrams. God, if only we remembered what it was in one page that they told us what it is that this is, because it's been like a thousand years since we've heard about engrams. It's definitely been it's definitely been a bunch of months for sure. And like Ugh. it's also one of these things where um where it it's even I, I feel like it's actually been as long since we last talked about um Engram as the actual people <laughs> read or no, it's been like seven months. So not not as long, but I can only imagine what it's like jumping back into this thing um after the long layoff between yeah. the start of this story and, 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 and the current one. What child could remember and what uh podcast future boys could remember? I mean, I kind I mean, of, I, I vaguely remember some uh, fates-based old hags doing a thing about a baby and feeling weird about it. Yeah. I know she stumbled on a mutant gathering for a reason. Don't I remember mean, I, the reason. Yeah. I mean, I could remember, but I have a weird brain, so it sort of works, you know, it works out. Um, if you want to read along with us, you find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread the Complete Case Files... Oh man, did I write it 69. down right now? Yeah. Yeah, case in Judge Dredd the Complete Case Files 16, Judge oh, Dr- Judge Anderson the Sci Files Volume 1, ABC Warriors the Mech Files 2, 2000 AD Extreme Edition 20, and the Judge Dredd Magazine 295. Yeah. That's that's a lot of places to read things. Yeah, it's spread all over, you know, we're sort of Still many years from when the actual progs are published, but that's how it goes. Yeah. Speaking of many years before uh, uh, something like this comes to question. That's right. Speaking of um, popular support, let's go Ooh. to Thrill One, Judge Dread. Oh. Skip about Garth Ennis, Art Robots, John Burns, Jose Casanovas, and Simon Colby. Letting Robot, Tom Frame. Yeah, that's my boy. This yeah. little tiny frame. Absolutely. So, Fox, last time we saw the uh, big referendum on the justice system. Everybody mm-hmm. voted whether to keep the yep. judges in or not. And yep. they voted overwhelmingly. Not Only 9% of the people who bothered to vote did so for democracy. And now it seems like 2 million of those 9% are now uh, marching on the Grand Hall of Justice. Fucking fake news. This is uh, not yeah, true. Got, 
They've got democracy banners. They're chanting fix. They're unleashing the Kraken. Talk about faithless electors. All this kind of stuff. <laughs> at, at their head is democracy advocate Blondel Dupree. And inside really the Really rocking the guile look, you know? Yeah, yeah. Listen, she's got yeah the um the uh, that like sort of V shaped blonde hair, like a guile, like a uh, standard XCOM soldier, that kind of Ooh, thing. Ooh, yeah, yeah. God damn, forgot Deep about cuts. man XCOM, real good. Hmm. Yeah, it would have been out by now in ninety one, I believe. Ooh. Um, Inside the Hall of Justice, judges are scrambling as Dread consults with Chief Judge Magruder. Um, the, having the vote means that only two million people are coming their way instead of half the mega city. And as it, as it is, though, this lets them bury the corpse of democracy once and for all. All right, Jesus, <laughs> that's a it's a way to put it. Yeah, definitely. The protests are nearing the hall, chanting judges out, and Blondell. But Blondell seems to be having second thoughts about all of this stuff. I mean, and she was she was prior to where it's just like how the how the fudge are we going to do this frick? And yeah, like, she was to be to she be was having quite, second thoughts when she thought she was going to win the election. To say nothing of now, yeah. And to and what I love about this is because uh, we're going to get to the you know the the finale here. But mm-hmm. man, I like I liked that idea of like, well, how how are we going to get officials? How are we going to do like there was this like set of questions that she was kind of putting. To herself and to her husband, just like, I don't – like, everything's worked this way for so long. So I – because I agree, like, dismantling something completely, it's like, that's going to take a ridiculous amount of time and effort. And it's almost as though, uh, you know, there was a – like, generally speaking, like, a change of power is not – uh, uh, all that. It's hard. All that. It's simple. hard to. It's hard to vote for a complete restructuring of the government. You know. Yeah, exactly. You have to. There are so many meetings and decisions that have to get made, right? So I mean, yeah. and d- you can you can talk to, yeah. about like how how America seceded from from the United Kingdom, but I mean the amount of like work and the amount of problems that came out of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in that example, like we went through two different, you know, we had first the Articles of Confederation and then the Constitution. There were multiple uh, military revolts and, or you mm-hmm. know, revolts by by different people, and you know that the government, that the newly formed government, had to put down. And even then, that's with a city, that's with a country full of like frontiersmen and like established people who know how to work and stuff like that. Like the Lotus Eaters of Mega City One, they just mm. I don't feel like they want to be actively involved in government. You know, they, don't want, they like, could barely figure out how to press the button that they needed to press at a very large fixed period of time. Right? Exactly. So Dredd seems aware that Blondell is having sec- uh, uh, second thoughts about all this. He hands over his lawgiver. And then walks out to talk to her. They greet each other as equals, and Dredd says, "It's over." Yeah, um, he pretty says, much. It's like, yeah, democracy is not for the people, yeah, not because we say so, but because they don't want it. <laughs> exactly, he says she'll turn around and disperse their march. There wasn't a fix; it wasn't a trick. The people voted not to have democracy, like we said. They just don't want it. Blondell and her people yeah. are dreamers. And that's okay in its place, but it's no way to rule a city of uh, of uh, a quarter of a billion people. Yeah, I love that it's like eyes 
not eye to eye, eye to mask, I, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah, face to face, you know. Yeah, but like, and it's not, he doesn't treat her as though she's some kind of sniveling idiot. He doesn't, like, he he brings the, like, I don't know, I, I like, I, I, it is interesting We're- to me that she very much, like, I don't think that she's necessarily beaten, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more of that she knows that he's not lying to her face and certainly like yeah. he's risking his life going up to this mob Definitely. but i i think that it has less to do with that and more that she especially in, in the build up to this that she knew uh he's kind of like he's an honest dude for being so jackbooted yeah i mean uh, yeah i'm in like this is the sort of story that I feel like we're making one point now, but I feel like in a couple years time, there could be a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here as well if they really oh, wanted to. Yeah. Um, but um, through te- – this seems to convince Dupree. Through tears, she says, you are the law, Judge Dredd, which is a great use of, of that uh, I am the Ooh. law catchphrase, definitely. And defeated, she walks away and I guess everyone else does too. Later, at a, democra- at a deserted democracy HQ, Blondell and her partner John reflect on their broken dreams and it seems <laughs> she's completely given up. She says – like Dredd says, they're just dreamers. The citizens are idiots. All they can do is make the best of what they got. They embrace and look out on the city as Dredd does the same from his lawmaster. And we get the quote, 800 million people, every one of them a potential criminal. The most evil, violent city on earth. But God help me. I love it. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, I think it's a, it's an interesting statement, right? Like, I, I don't think that Judge Dredd literally hates the people of Mega City One, nor does he... Th- I mean, he's obviously, he's more pragmatic, but he loves the city, right? Yeah, I think he loves the city and the and the law that the city is governed by. I think it's all he knows, you know? Yeah. That's sort of like what he was... It's what he was literally built to do. Mm-hmm. And so we see him not understand other people's motivations. I think that's a big part of the story we had before mm-hmm. this. When both when he talks to um, – I think it was Judge DeGaulle, the, 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 the female judge who said like I, I bled and got – and was critically injured and all that stuff for the city and this is all I get. And he's and like, what the, like, what the hell is yeah, wrong with you? That's the you point. You aren't supposed to get anything. Like yeah. the whole point is just that you do it like 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 selflessly. He's, he's think, detached from the populace and possibly even a majority of the Justice Department. Yeah, I think it's also something that um, that blonde that uh, du, that, that uh, Blondel Dupree was what, what was thinking about in, in the run up to this story was also what the judges get out of it. You know? But you also see the Holocaust Squad, who's like. Hey, we're going in here in our giant armor and like we will die. Yeah, that's the counterpoint of um of Mega City 1 where the judges aren't rich, you know, they're they were they they they, they, they sleep 10 minutes a day, you know, and they're just yeah. constantly on the job risking their lives and stuff and like that. And there's not so. enough of them in for every, you know, when you yeah, do so a, a hot dog run, how many right. of them fucking actually survive? And then, like, first day on the job, how many actually survive? Like, yeah. there's a culling. And so it's definitely just a uh, – yeah, it's an interesting thing, this idea of these of these judges and how they react to people. I don't know. I think this is um, – I and I think it's interesting just to have that, that Ennis is writing this because it feels mm. like something that you get – I feel like this, that I am the law bit and the fact that he keeps coming back to this moment – 
very early in Dread when he came right. back to Mega City 1 from Luna mm-hmm. 1 that I think really comes from some from like it's written by someone who has this idea of Dread's history with moments that stood out to them as a fan I think or you know growing up reading Dread in a way and 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 an approach to it that I don't think um Wagner or Grant could have just because they're so yeah. they were so involved with building it that they're too far inside to see some of these elements of it maybe right where well and I think that that's part of what helps build the character Right. Yeah, I think it's an inter- it's it's just sort of a it's a thing that that um is why sometimes I think um turnover in these creative jobs can be interesting because it lets you see things from new light. But we've we've talked about this one story for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I know. I, we gotta get well, going. It's, but it's a nice it's a nice end point to to this Democrat story. Right. I, I, I agree, and I think that this subplot has been sort of running a little bit for a couple months. And is also sort of the final capper of uh, of 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 Necropolis as well. That sort of mm. that story that lasted for all of 1990, you know, and was so so much of especially the opening parts of that was built to you know the letter to dread, right? The um, oh, dread lack dread. of um, confidence with um, the Justice Department and stuff like that. So I think, and I think this is a is a good capper to those to that story and that concept the stuff that led him to to take the long walk and things you know he was specifically worried about just being a dictator and stuff and this is very much quieted those fears and um puts him in a place to be a confident and an able judge dread anyway this um takes us to our next dread story oh my god fox <laughs> but so both An this explosive one, story, surely. Yeah. Both this one and the previous one don't have credit cards, so I'm just assuming it's Tom Frame lettering, usually a safe assum- a- a- assumption. Um, this one, the arts by Casanovas of uh, currently of RoboHunter fame, but also Max Beautiful. Normal, etc. The story is called One Be- – oh, by the way, explosive. I, I got you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> the story's <laughs> called One Better and Groover Vonnegut always had to be one better. Get a better car than all of his friends. Fancy your clothes. Even take a bigger beating from Judge Dredd. Uh, that just doesn't seem like a smart move, but sure, at least it's only five years. Yeah. But when Squib Carson spontaneously combusted at a dinner party, there's only one way Groover could do one better, and that's to explode an entire city block. Uh, it is an awesome image. Definitely. It is a beautiful fucking just this massive exploding uh, uh, skyscraper. Dread looks over the blast site. There don't seem to be any clues until Groover's wife, Pathetica, volunteers that her I husband that might name, have caused the Pathetica. blast. De- definitely. Once she's safely ensconced in Justice Department interrogation machines, she and gives really her story. ensconced is that it's she is completely trapped within a myriad. Of just machines and suction cup machine things. Absolutely. Groover was desperate to show up squid. He thought about drinking gasoline or something. But, you know, that's not really spontaneously combusting, yeah, buddy. That's just – that's cheating. I'll As say his fuck. wife notes – yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you, Fox, that um, there was a period of my life where I was interested in uh, in conspiracy theories and paranormal things. I mean, still very much my current one, but where I was looking into things. Mm-hmm. And the thing about real life spontaneous combustion 
is that it tends to happen to a lot of people who coincidentally are smokers and have flammable pajamas. I'm just saying. I, like, like don't fall asleep smoking a cigarette. Also, I'm not sure how you could possibly do that. I get, you know, it's just like you're sort of, you're living that like 1960s film noir life where you just always have one hanging out the side of your lip or something, I guess. Uh, uh, anyway. Oh, uh, how did your skull get so small? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. So instead, he just sat in his apartment all day, willing himself to explode. Almost Didn't like smoke he was cigarettes. The mo- That's his problem. <laughs> they said he was. The- he looked like the most constipated man in history. And indeed, it does have that look of just like. Yeah, no, he's definitely doing the sweats, the constipation sweats. I can't get too far into it because if I try to imitate it too much, I'll have problems here. Uh, pathetic. <laughs> Eventually, he went for a walk in a rad zone, got struck by lightning. Radioactive lightning. I, okay, that makes, that is, uh, that makes sense, I guess. He ran home to tell Pathetica, war- warning her to run because he's about to go Nova. And I'll mention that, um, you know, there was that other story with uh, Judge Corey in it where there was that guy that came walking out of the rad waste and exploded. So there's, it's not without precedence here. Um, <laughs> Then she escaped just twice. In- yeah. <laughs> she escaped but was too she escaped just in time but was too scared to tell the judges until later. It's Man, a she got on a bus. She didn't even get like a future Uber. She got on a bus. I'm like, a you few- have to wait f- for that thing to be there. A Fuber? Yeah, never mind. Um <laughs> the the tech judges say it's a far-fetched story, but just possible enough to believe it. <laughs> God. And because of that, she ran away instead of telling the judges um, right when she, right when she learned, and thus she uh, shares some responsibility for all the people killed in the explosion. They always do, man. They always yeah. do. As such, Pathetica is sentenced to one year for every person in the city block she should she could have warned. Oh but God, didn't. that's so many people. <laughs> that's right, and she'll be serving those sentences concurrently, so she'll be out. So for the sixty thousand people in the city block, she'll be getting out of the cubes in time for Warhammer sixty k. <laughs> nice, the distant nice. future. There is only cyber war. Our next story, Simon Colby is on art as we enter the world of flab fighting. We're Man. Too heav- okay. <laughs> Man, Conrad. Fight that flab. Two I- heavily armored fatties fight to the death. It's Sphincter Sli- Slice McPie <laughs> and Awful Gut Johnson. So, obviously, one of them got the better end of the deal in terms of names. I gotta tell you, man, like... I- <sighs> Fatties, fatties have such an. Uh, uh, I am conflicted on it. However, the the kind of echelons of victory here. I understand that it's not like the context is bad, but I do love it as a concept for a blood sport. <laughs> if that makes sense. What eating someone? Yeah, listen. I, it like, takes it to a next level. It's he's physically a, impossible. Listen, no, no, no. Killing him. Okay, fine. You get some money. Eating your opponent. Once he's dead. Okay. It's another it's another an amount, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 10K for winning, 20K for eating your opponent, 50K for eating your opponent alive. It's it's awesome, but also really bad. I'm really all bad. for it, honestly. Eat your opponents, Conrad yeah. 2021. Come on, why not? 
That's true. I mean, if you're going to eat the heart for their power, you might as well eat the rest of them for whatever stats you'll gain, right? Listen, yeah. Well, listen, I'm saying that you got to eat them whole. And since humans can't actually do that, I'm fine with it being in the rules, you know? I mean, this guy... You saw how wide or how long his mouth was. Yeah, yeah, no, He's no, like no. a snake. Listen, when you become a fatty, you sort you, – you, you kind of get cartoonified so that the laws of physics and biology no longer apply to you. We, we've discussed this in the past. It's beautiful. <laughs> with, with, this with, whole in, comic. In fatty This whole situations. thing is beautiful. Flab Fighters is beautiful and I love it. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. They got chainsaws and swords and spiked belly wheels. Well, and like it's like it's like a it's like a hydraulic sword. It's yeah. like foof 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 foof. I, like yeah. I don't know. It's like it's a lot of penetration and a lot of slicing. Definitely, well, yeah. They, they they got a lot of mass that can take some hits. You know, the uh, the the fight. So the the, the two fatties go in it go at it at uh, as awful gut Johnson's manager Deuce Pacino shuffles right. cards and chuckles about his new fighter Allen currently waiting in a big truck out back. Meanwhile, Dred's on patrol. He arrests a public urinator, then spots a known flasher and arrests him too. It's his tenth offense, which means he'll be lobotomized. Ten strikes That's and you're right. out. It's really, you know, if you've been flashing nine times and the tenth is lobotomy, I feel like just ride the line, man. Don't flash again. If the, you know, if he could stop flashing, Fox, he wouldn't need the lobotomy. You know. Oh God, that's <laughs> that's a sentence that you said. Do you remember there was that other guy? There was a there was a, a a thief, a guy who couldn't stop stealing things. Oh yeah, and like he went to that and church of like he went to a support group and stuff, and Dread basically hounded him into stealing and then getting lobotomized as well. So this is another sort of callback one. Yeah, Dread is a good person. I mean, listen. Despite what we just talked about in the in the, in the story at the start, I feel like we we're all very much agreed that Dred's only the good guy because the story focuses on him, and periodically he's fighting like murderous entities of death from beyond the stars. You know, correct? Like he's Dred's mainly good in comparison. I think we can all agree on that. Oh God! Um, he so the uh, the Flasher tries to get off by. Or get off uh, being lobotomized, I should say, <laughs> by telling Dredd about the flab fight. But he, Dredd actually didn't agree to that. So while he takes the information, this guy's still getting a brain job. You really, like, it, it, it constantly impresses me, the people who just willingly give away information when they should just be saying, I've got information about something fucking crazy. It's an illegal fight. Yeah. Huge amounts of people. I would like eh? I would like this plea deal in writing, please. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you write it down, Dredd will have to honor it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Um, but so things are going bad for Afuka Johnson as Dredd arrives the flat, uh, the, at the flab fight and starts taking out security dudes. And these security dudes are With for the, the ladies because they're super swole in their tank chops and booty shorts. He calls in for backup, but none's available. Nope. And Sphincter Slice oh, – are you there? What? Yep. I'm okay. here. And sphincter, sphincter Slice detaches his jaw and prepares to eat awful gut whole as Pacino <laughs> slaps the side of the truck and some kind of ter- of a terrifying toothy maw waits in the dark. Ooh, like, I'm a spooky monster. He's like, this thing can hold so many flab fighters. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, backup isn't coming, so Dredga ha- has to move in as Sphincter goes and bites off the top of Awful Guts' head, and we have uh, a winner. I mean, his mouth gets comically huge. Def- yeah, he could fit the whole. He, yeah, I know he fits his whole shoulders in there. Basically, he bites the top off him like like it's a candy bar. It's so beautiful. <laughs> So, but but Deuce Pacino, Awful Guts manager, isn't too worried and offers double or nothing for uh, Sphincter Slice to take on his new flab fighter oh. as the truck with Alan backs up to the stage. Ominous beeping noises, presumably. Oh, my God. It's – I love everything that happens after this point. <laughs> Dread can only look on as Deuce opens the container and from the and from the Sauron Valley of the Cursed Earth, his new fighter is Alan the Allosaurus. It's a big dinosaur. Deuce ah! tries to do a Francis the Fe- tries to give a Francis the field goal kick and mule um, explanations. No one yeah. said it can't be a man eating dinosaur, but that gets eaten alive. By yeah, Alan, shorts and all. And then the guy in his... the truck is like, oh, baby, just whip. Yeah, you want uh, the electro whip so he doesn't eat you? Oh, he already ate you. Sorry. Um, Sorry, The boss. dinosaur is now on a rampage as Dread bursts into action. Sphincter slice, seeing a problem, only having his giant jaw, solves it the way he can, which is, of course, by biting the dinosaur's I, tail. I love the explanation here. It's just like his first instinct. Is to yeah. run. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sphincter Slice McPie's first instinct is to run. But this monster stirs deep inside of him. Something, something deep inside of him. Come on, It buddy. is stealing his glory, <laughs> his limelight, on the day he has become the champion. The challenge has been made, and Sphincter Slice McPie is honor-bound to accept it. Releasing his jaw, he then begins to bite the tail of Alan the Allosaurus. It's very much, uh, yeah, as I always say, when all you have is a hammer, uh, the world looks like a nail. When all you have is a giant mouth, everything looks like something you should bite. Well, I mean, we've had this Jaws conversation. If you get your teeth replaced with metal, uh, you absolutely just need to bite everything. I, w- I would love to have just just replace my teeth, the titanium teeth. But, but I know, oh, man. I know, bricks, nothing. Drywall? <laughs> That's like crackers my, to you. Plus, like, my human teeth are just awful. But anyway, um, <laughs> the fatty and the dino stare down as Dredd tries to get them to break it up. But in the end, he's just got no choice and fires a clip of high explosive at them all. And <laughs> as the other dr- judges finally <laughs> arrive, they find a battered Judge Dredd standing over the bloody remains of, of an Allosaurus and fatty just trying to eat each other. Like, they were eating each other through the high X rounds. It's pretty, oh, just a yeah. big mass of, of, of complicated meat going Not on Not his problem. He's walking away before paperwork needs to be done. Judge Dredd, ladies and gentlemen, small round of applause. Yeah, I'll let you guys... Take care of that. <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. All right. Again, fun, fun Judge Dredd. Or I really like Judge Dredd this month, actually. Just this mi- – or not not actually, but I like Judge Dredd. We got this mix of this end of this big myth arc story and then just a pair of fun one-off stories, both featuring yeah. mega – Featuring mega citizens and, of course, the fatties, my favorite mega city subculture. So this yeah. was a very um, fun I, I like, set, 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 set of dreads. <clears throat> I like fatties showing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're never uh, – well, except for when they're put into internment camps effectively. But, mm. uh, like, 
Some might, I think, you know, maybe next yeah, time no, we don't I have think... to have them eating each other, right? That's true. <laughs> but yeah, but I think some of our, some of my favorite dread memories are actually just of, oh, fatty stories and stuff like that. Yeah. Remember no, I mean, those, like, like the, the weight contest and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, two ton Tony, all that stuff. It's, it's, it's good it's stuff. A, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd want like a fatty thrill or something like that. No, but I do. I do like them showing up from time to time in um, in Mega City One. You know, I they're feel just, like it's some. They're a tiny little wafer. You know. Yeah, a tiny. It's just a tiny little wafer. <laughs> Hey, speaking of wafer thin uh, thrills, Fox. Oh. <laughs> and also thrills that make me want to explode in the fountain of gore. So let's, let's, let's talk about Thrill 2 Robo Hunter. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Anthony Williams, letting robot Glib. So Sam Slade, Fox, Robo Hunter. Oh, God. Okay. Showing down with the cryogenically preserved head of of cartoon tycoon Mort Bisley and his sweet uh, robot bot r- robot body. It's what he does. I mean, don't forget that he's got a dangly head of the president Elvis Presley. That's right. Yeah, ha- hanging off his uh, trophy belt or whatever. Yeah, he, he he's upgraded it. He, he, yeah, he he's showing a trophy like uh, like The Witcher or whatever. Um, oh yeah! Now he's getting like plus twenty five percent against killing yeah, humans. Yeah, experience got a good passive bonus here. So also helping out Sam Slade is a little girl named Dot who's been newting her way through <sighs> this hellscape of a theme park. Not for long. Mm. The two of them fight the robot mogul as things get weird. Sam flies through um, the wall of the Magic Kingdom and gets picked up by Dumbo. As a birdie, the love bug comes speeding towards Bisley. Sam says he's lost all credibility because of this as Bisley smashes and stomps the Volkswagen, which is birdie. Uh, uh, Mort shoots down Dumbo and says sl- Sam falling to the ground. Any last requests um, to not die? Oh, you're going to die. Meanwhile, Dot um, grieves over the corpse of Birdie when suddenly no. Tinkerbell shows up, picks up Dot, flies her into the sky, uh, and then drops her right through the roof of the bumper cars. She's dead. Next. Yeah. She falls into the dodgem. She's pretty clearly dead. Uh, you know, Fox, like we talk, you know, we're, th- this is a comic book podcast, you know. Yeah. And, but that said, I'm not a huge fan of discussing uh, comic book tropes. But this is clearly a prime example of uh, your old uh, woman in a fridge, right? Where responding to a woman's violent death or assault is the uh, Popeye-like spinach that the hero needs to start really kicking ass. Yeah, I mean, here's – okay. You know what? You've opened up my can of worms here. Here's my ridicule. Mm. Uh, Didn't really know Newt. Didn't really get like the whole Newt Ripley fucking connection there. Uh, she's dead, and now he's angry, and also then never discusses it again. Yeah, well, you know what a great it, what a great comic book hero. He gets distracted. To be fair, ah, um, uh, yeah. So, so Sam apparently takes it. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't all that uh, impactful. Mm. So it's almost as though he's just kind of uh, not 
great character. Yeah. Kill this Watch. kid. In oh. this case, Sam takes out Tinkerbell, sends her flying into Bisley, then incinerates sure. the weak spot on that giant ratty rat robot. Oh, it's yeah. fiery cor- uh, sending its fiery corpse to the Ferris wheel. On the carousel, a badly damaged Bisley grabs Sam and tries to crush him with his robot hands. But yeah. Sam pulls a blaster and shoots the human head of Bisley right in the face. Bisley goes down to the fountain of flutter. blood. Yeah, the day seems saved. The rest of the bots have also been taken out by this as well. But don't worry, something that won't matter happens. Well, Sam sits down. He tries to process what's been going on when a voice rings out. It's one of those government stooges holding a gun to Sam's mom's head. That is not going to in any way be resolved. (laughs) Yeah, no, it just seems like that was a joke or something because in the next prog, uh, the army and the men in black have arrived to clean up Bisleyland. And Sam has some bad news about the fate of President Elvis. He sadly didn't make it. Luckily, everybody's smoking for some reason. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it is not like I feel like is the X Files out in ninety one? Could that be oh, a, yeah, a reference? Maybe, maybe it's a or joke. people just just being cool, like it's just sort of cool nineteen ninety one. They need a camel in the background also smoking to make it like a fucking full joke. You know what I well, mean? I mean, but they're also trying to be grown up. So no, X Files grown up smoke. Never mind. Okay, whatever. None of this yeah. matters. It's true. <laughs> So anyway, um, luckily, the technology recovered from Bisley Land could end up making up uh, for the loss. As we see Cutie go to check out Bisley's lab on her own personal sure. jet boosters. It seems like Sam's mom is basically okay. The two hug right before the torso of Captain Hook. You know, does your standard horror movie, oh, there's one still alive kind of thing. Swing it in, trying to do a <sighs> post-credit scare, but Sam just blows it away. Okay. He, Headbutts one of the men in black in return for all the problems they've caused. But he's not him. the right men in black. All of them are the different ones, but they all look the same. Luckily, Sam's got a lot of headbutts and he prepares to take the rest of them out. When suddenly Cutie appears, she's used Bisley's tech to make a sexy human robot body, complete with long blonde hair and not much clothing. And gee, uh, God, I... Uh, it's Stricken with lust. It's Sam so piles her into Elvis's car, and the two of them speed off to find a priest so they can bone down for real town. I just... Did he need the priest? Yeah, he's very proper. You can't... You Is can't, he? Yeah, you can't have sex with your sentient uh, sex doll until you've been properly married, Fox. This is very Anglican. You just got to kill your wife so that you can have sex with a new one, but you can't have sex with her until you actually get married. I mean, that's more of a divorce than an initial marriage, but I understand your point. Well. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that seems to wrap it all up. The uh, That fat Elvis impersonator that was uh, pretending to be the president gets a little too big for his britches and gets assassinated by the men in black. Luckily, the VP is also a clone of a pretty popular dude, and it's only bloody Ronald Reagan. Like, literally, man, like, I get it. They uh, they cloned uh, 91 Reagan, which is not not the best Reagan, if you ask me. You want, like... Best Reagan was before he met his future wife. I don't know. I think you want like sixty-eight Reagan, like sending the national, sending the uh, sending the uh, the the state troopers to 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 stomp uh, hippies. That's pretty solid. Oh, anyway, God. it's a stag do, Fox. Oh yeah, 
And after they watch their blue movies, etc., Sam Slade's in his briefs and a bra with a bag full of beer wandering through the city, too drunk to even do his usual opening narration boxes. I mean, it's fine. It's a bad stag do that lets the uh, lets the groom get loose, Fox. I see. This is the thing, right? Like, so I I didn't have uh, a stag party for my wedding, I, and I specifically chose not to, not because well. I mean, there were so many complications around it, right? Yeah, but, I mean, it was also like like the week before all the COVID. It was also like yeah, right no, exactly. All the COVID lockdowns came in and stuff. So, so like, there's always been this kind of like, hey, you know, I'm gonna save a date to have like a retroactive one. Um, here's the thing, man. Like anybody who is like, oh, we're just gonna fuck with this guy or release him onto the street. It's like, nah, man, you signed up for. Yeah. You sign up for Listen, whatever you do to these people, you know? A ba- yeah. A bachelor party or, or a stag do or, or Bucks night, whatever you want to – whatever they call it in your part of the English-speaking world. That's a time for maximum bro-ship. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you've got to – that's when you you got to look out for your buds the most. You can't yeah. just – let especially like like the 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 focus of the event go out on their own. That's just bad broship. Yeah, it's especially, a breach of protocol, Fox. <laughs> especially when that man knows how to use a gun. Yeah, and he has one as well. Yeah, so um, he he's celebrating his wedding, wearing a party hat. Goes to do a number four on the alley, which is a three and a one, just if we're counting it up. Um, when a couple muggers show up, they try to rob Sam, but um, he boots on their boots and pulls a massive gun out of nowhere. And that scares him off. So then he snags a cab home. The driver is an amateur philosopher and starts to hold court with Sam. But Sam's just bored, probably pukes again. He finally gets home, apologizes to Cutie for having a few drinks with the lads. When Cutie starts beating the crap out of him, she's punching him, setting him through the walls, lifting him up by the face, drops him to the ground, and a voice says, this is a filthy little world, as a bunch of glowing Cenobite types with floating triangles for heads show up, one holding a book saying, the word made flesh, and then says, flesh corrupts over Sam's broken body. You really, you know, the worst sin that a comic book can do is make you really bored the entire time and then have Uh, just like one page that's like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I like the fight and the and these. uh, Oh, I like like a robed dude whose head is floating above their shoulders. I love I love seeing like the collar is clearly exposed, but no neck. Yeah. And then just a shape with a symbol in it floating yeah, above the of, clothes. I kind of associate that look actually with uh with Grant Mor- no with uh yeah, with Grant Morrison I think cuz I feel like we had characters like that both when he took over or both both for his run on Doom Patrol and on Swamp Thing as I recall. Like that's something sure. that I remember showing up a couple times in his writing. I, but anyway, I, yeah. I suppose what I mean is like why is the most interesting part of Robo Hunter the part that we all knew was coming which is that you know, Cutie's obviously some kind of evil, um, but also that there's the religious fucking robo uh, electron yeah. thing. Like that's interesting, but it doesn't make up for everything else that I went through with Robo Hunter. So 
You Absolutely. Know. Uh, well, anyway, that's the end of this story, Fox. Coming soon it. to Robo Hunter is Return to Virtus, and that will be in summer of 1992. Oh, at least I get a reprieve. Yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of time. And speaking of not having enough time, Fox. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's talk about Thrill 3 Strontium Dogs. Really starting to stand for on, on its own legs, I feel like. A little Seems, weird. Yeah, they're adding some stuff in here. It. Nah. Script robot Garth Ennis, art robot Steve Pugh, letting robot Alita Fell. So, uh, former Strontium Dog and cool dude Feral and um, human combat medic Bet sit at the bar as bar owner Clifford heads out, calling Feral Young Feral. Uh, Bet says Clifford's okay, but after he leaves, he heads straight to the meeting place for the Mutant Liberation Front, the MLF. <laughs> I mean, I like, to give them I like they do a lot of establishing before any of this happens that he's not a bad dude. Um, yeah, I mean, he's been very much in the background of um, exactly. of a lot of this stuff. But I think because of that, I think last episode, we when Bet was telling her backstory, and she said she was married to Doyle, the head of the uh, of the English military forces here. He seemed very shocked by that, and now he's yep. going to, to rat her out. Although, like, clearly she was like halfway through her story as she was telling all this, and so – you know, this is a real um, – he sort of went to the wrong spot of the jump to conclusions, Matt, um, in this <laughs> situation, you know? Good Arrested Development reference. Dude, that's Office Space, buddy. Oh, is it Office Space? Yeah. Oh, no, it is Office Space. Yeah, because what, 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 what that one old guy that looks like a walrus, um, that was his like – It's my jump to conclusions, quick man. thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. He goes to he goes to the MLF to get them some inside information. It seems the local heads of the group are in fact some of those jerk punks we saw last episode, including the melty faced slider. Clifford wants payment and then says the over what he overheard last episode that Bet is married to Colonel Doyle, like I just said. Um, that sends Slider into action. He has his goons go kidnap Bet and bring her to the safe house. Clifford's worried about what'll happen, and Slider explains he's going to kidnap and ransom Bet to Doyle, yeah, and that I, way he gets paid, and the struggle continues. He's like, "Look, man, like, why the fuck do you care? Just rat it her out. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit." Although but, Slider also sort of starts talking some truth here. He says, "Like, as MLF leader, he doesn't make any money on this planet if it's not being oppressed. So it's one of these things where, even though he claims to be a freedom fighter, in fact, he's profiting off the conflict as much as anybody this, else." This Think about comes it. around in such a great way. I, I yep. honestly, I really do love this story. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bet continues her story to Farrell. After marrying Doyle, she got pregnant and everything seemed great until she gave birth and the baby was a mutant. And Farrell, he just fucking murdered that baby. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're like in the operating room and like the baby's in a crib, like just being to be taken to like the neo, to like the, the natal unit or whatever. And Bet's like talking to the nurse and Doyle just stands over the baby, pulls a gun and just... <sighs> You know, Merck's it. It's crazy. It's, and all of this, she's talking. I love this picture where it's just her eyes, her taking out the knife. And then the next panel, it's her eyes and the knife. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm a mom. He murked my babe. I am going to murder. I'm going to murder that man. And you are either with me 
or go fuck yourself. Yeah, but I should say first, before that she said she spent five years bouncing around different mental institutions, and then she spent the last 10 years trying to catch up with Doyle, but now she has, and it's time to finalize their divorce with a knife. Lovely. Um, so Sever Farrell, that man's penis. Yeah, come on. I mean, you know, start start there and work your way up, I'd imagine. Pharaoh wakes up to see a bunch of armed mutants walking around the bar. They've cle- they're clearly taking Bet hostage and are taking in, him as in, well. By the way, one of the most sexy versions of, of in my opinion, I mm. like a lady wearing a, a long enough shirt. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a pretty common, a pretty common thing. I think thing. that's sexy. Yeah, it's good. I, I wouldn't turn it away. I wouldn't turn it, you know, whatever. Life of, def- of desperate loneliness. Anyway, um, back <laughs> at MLFHQ, Slider says that the MLF grift is starting to run its course because they aren't providing results and this bet stuff might be biting off more than they can chew, actually. So the play is that um, we go see the paras and um, engage and, and have them engage with the MLS, the MLF forces. It's a whole thing. Um, or sorry. So what's the play? In sm- uh, l- 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 let me start that again. The MLF grift is running its course. They aren't providing results and this bet stuff might be more than they can chew. And so they, like the other leaders ask what the play is and sl- slide j- Slider just smiles as we see the paras interact or engage with MLF forces and everything's going to shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it turns out that there's going to be uh, a pretty direct double cross. Yeah, we've got some fighting going on here in the background of that for real. Bet asks for her rifle back and prepare and proceeds to cap a few army types, leading them into a dark alley where the mutants can finish them off. Though in the process, many of the MLF members are killed. Doyle wants to know who's killing his patrol, as it seems the MLF leadership have arrived at his base and want to talk to him. One of these surviving members of this MLF squad, um, Serp, has led Bet and Farrell yeah. to the hideout. As they are mid-crisis about the group being a scam, basically. Like, what's going on? Why is everybody here? In the safe house, our heroes see Clifford um, – sorry. Yeah. In the safe house, our heroes see Clifford the barman. Pharaoh's about to kill him for his betrayal when Serp shouts that the MLF leaders have all disappeared. I mean – And pa- Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, that's because they're double-crossing you. Yeah, definitely. At a para HQ, Doyle speaks to the leaders. Slider explains that honestly, the MLF's more of a protection racket than an actual terrorist force. They want to cut Doyle in on the profits in exchange for them getting off the planet uh, safely. Okay, so Conrad, mm-hmm. I got to ask you because I I knew what was going to happen here. I knew it oh, in yeah. my bones. No, these. I mean, listen, these dudes, these MLF dudes. Are not seeing the big picture here, and they're they not. Sort of, they're not the smart ones, man. They're definitely on. They're definitely not thinking enough moves ahead. It would seem, or honestly, maybe they're thinking too many moves ahead. It seems they're not like. playing 4D chess. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, on like they're either they're either playing a, ch- a version of chess with too many dimensions or not enough dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> because I, oh no, because, they're playing. Because, um, because, because, they're playing. My, uh, wait. Um, God, Christ, I, I need to come in here with the, uh, they're playing Stratagema, uh, with a, with a, you know, with data at this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, like, because 
It seems like a lot of the argument might be moot because Bet looks out the window of the safe house and a cadre of troops is swarming outside the MLF headquarters. A state of emergency has been declared. You got to surrender or be shot. Serp, Serp goes to mobilize the MLF as Bet and Farrell prepare to sneak away and kill Doyle. And speaking of which, Doyle accepts Slider's offer, gets the info about the MLF and a bunch of money, and then just pulls a gun and executes the mutants. Yeah, I you to see terrorists. Slider's head explode. Yeah, and this is why I'm saying that it's either too many. De- they're either thinking too many steps ahead or not or not enough because they seem to be thinking that they're uh, you know just faking this stuff for profit, and so they assume Doyle's doing the same so they can offer him some profit, and then. He will just sort of help him out, basically. So they're Doyle's happy to take their money, but he's also very happy to kill these terrorists. You know what I mean? So there, there are two things here. So the first thing is, I love how he says, like, "Yeah, man, I've been to like a billion fucking planets where there are quote freedom fighters, and it's almost always that they're exploiting their people for cash." Yeah, right. Uh, Dark, dark, dark thing to say. Um, Also, and this is the most important point, the second point is um, never go to the racist who wants you to be murdered. Yeah, I mean, it was very bold to assume. Because she's going to shoot you. it, It was very bold to assume that he would help them out and especially bold... That he would help them out and you bring the money with you as opposed to say, like, here's a little bit of money and you'll get the rest of it once we're safely away or something like that. You know, you you can't just show up with all the money, buddy. That's just not 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 wise. It's just such like for having such a cool mutant face, dude, Slider is like uh, real weak. He's been, getting say, by on his, he's been getting by on his mutant looks all this time, buddy. That's gonna just say all he's it real is. Weak. He's real weak. I'm going to call it right now. Fox Fair. is saying it weak. Yeah. So weird mutants and armored troopers clash as the pair is calling gunships. But Bet and Farrell are mission-focused, making their way to the troops HQ. They find an APC, dropping soldiers, and storm their way in as the doors close. They take out some troops as they go and head to the headquarters as gunships fly overhead. And here's where the nerd me tells you that these APCs look a lot like Warhammer 40k Land Raiders. I'm just saying. Um, as they like go, a Lehman Russ, kind of like a Land Raider, like a Land Raider specifically. Yes. Oh yeah. They don't have a they don't have a top turret to be there's anywhere a, near a Lehman there's Russ. There's a lot of that in this episode. Um, as they go, Farrell says he's in love with Bet, but quickly says he was just joking. And they approach yeah. the base gate, but word has gotten back that the vehicle they're in has been captured. So the base guns open fire on the tank, sending it flying. And when Bet comes to, she sees that Farrell has morphed like physically into a terrifying, gross ass monster. Next time on Strontium Dogs, Slaughterhouse. So. <clears throat> He's a gross-ass monster, then. Yeah, but I mean, we know that his mutant from his power dreams is that, and uh, no, I don't want to yeah, think about he his can weird morph bulbous. Back and forth between them. I don't want to think about his weird bulbous like blood gut. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, we definitely know that this is something that like when really bad things happen, he turns into this big beast. Yeah, and, and now it's just getting more that he won't gross. be able to change back. You know, yeah, def- well, I mean, you know, we're definitely in a point where when he's morphing, he's going full HR Giger as he as he does. You know, it's absolutely real. Not okay with my not barf parts. 
hey, get ready for more barf parts next week. I'm assuming <laughs> next episode, I'm assuming. <laughs> hashtag more barf parts. Half pa- hashtag barfy. All right. <laughs> hey, speaking of trying not to barf, Fox. Oh, God, is it time for listening to people talk about stuff? Let's go to non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. My favorite part about covers and nerve centers are that uh, Sam Slade gets punched in the face. It's anyway. fair. Frog 756, the people's choice, let the judges rule. Green judge boots, Trump demo- democracy flags, and then a pretty cool cover by John Burns. I like it. I like it. There's no faces or anything. Just good, good uh, Very, very, uh, like quite literally jacked boot. Absolutely. In the Nerve Center, Tharg is teasing a few stories that'll start next episode, including Judge Anderson, Trash, and Bix Barton. Or, or yeah, next episode, I should say. Um, meanwhile, Igroid is plugging the yearbooks and graphic novels and a coming signing in Kent. Midprog, there's an ad for a Stan Lee press tour through the UK and a book about the golden age of British children's television. If you want a more truthful version of that book, Fox, let me recommend friend of the show uh, Scarred for Life's series of books on the subject about okay. crazy, traumatizing British television and pop culture. I'm into traumatization. It's good. I I, I I will tell you that even more than American stuff, there's just a lot of really scary ass stuff going on in, in British tele, in British television, children's television. And listen, ma'am, um, if Trapdoor taught me anything, it's that they do claymation better over here, and also they don't pull punches. You're a fool if you do. Um. <laughs> um, towards the end of the prog, there are ads for the Fleetway co- uh, quality collections of various 2080 thrills and a house ad for 2000 AD thro- showing Tharg in a spacesuit reading a 2000 AD binder. Lifeline. I guess they're all both. They're both house ads, but that's specifically a 2000 AD ad when you're reading 2000 AD. In the input ad or in the, in, in the input page, there's pictures of, of a Tharg the hand puppet and a pretty nice black and white uh, picture of Farrell. Letters yeah. ask for the yearbooks to be released, have praise for Revere, compliment the art of John Burns, another praises everything while dropping the last few words from each sentence, and finally there's praise for the Muzak Killer and Indigo Prime. The prog ends with a film image, Dread Lives. A yeah, real live Dread, headed your way. <laughs> prog 757, Hammer Time. <laughs> that the ABC Warriors are scrap in a cover by Kev Walker. In the Nerve Center, Tharg announces the start of Engram Part 2, and thus the first black and white story to come in our new all-color era, and that the new Brigand Doom will also be coming soon after it. Igroid plugs comic book shops and the new magazine issue, complete with the classic Al's Baby uh, Demi Moore cover, which I, is, is, is one of my favorite covers of all time, just because it's, so, um, it's so funny. Letters have pictures of an Uncle Sam Dread and a very buff but thin-waisted Tharg. Cosmic! <laughs> Letters call out a military dude with improper insignia and are extremely stoked for ABC Warriors, maybe a bit less Hell so yeah. for Strontium Dog. Uh, really? Seven... Yeah, well, I mean, for Strontium Dogs, I mean, while I think we're okay with the story, I, you know, I, I could imagine at the time being a little angry at continuing a story. Um, yeah. After um, Johnny Alpha died, I think the arts, you know, this is sort of a third kind of artist drawing these characters after um, Escara and then Harrison, and it's just sort of, I don't know, I could see having trepidation is what I'm trying to I, say. I, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of been there. It's growing on me, man. It's really yeah. growing on me. Nice. 
Proc 758, Hell's Teeth. Simon Colby draws Dread Dealin with Megabyte Madness as his gun goes into a toothy maw. In the Nerf Center, Tharg says they're getting good responses from the trading card scheme they had in Proc 750 and promises that free gift schemes will continue into the new year. Igroid announces several upcoming signings, one for Judgment on Gotham and then uh, the same Kent one, which will now feature a Judge Dread cosplayer. Oh, yeah. The input page has pictures of an extremely muscular Judge Dredd, Mean Streets, and a skeletal <laughs> zombie Judge Dredd, Judge Dredd with an A. Um, I should say, Fox, like, oh, I'm so used to... What? What? No, go ahead. Oh, I was saying, I'm so used to writing Judge Dredd the 2000 AD way that not only do I write the word Dredd with with three Ds, but I also write the word dress as Dredd. Um, accidentally like 75% of the time. <laughs> oh, oh interesting. It just it's a muscle memory in my fingers now that that DRE has two D's after it basically. Yeah. I bought my wife a nice drink. Yeah. Ooh, listen, she she'd like it. Letters ask for a collection of Ace Garp stories, say some stories yes. should stay black and white, which Tharg agrees. No. The words Borag Thung was apparently heard in a v- museum video, and a brain literally exploded with thrill power. And the prog ends with 2000 AD, a seriously hard mix, with DJ Tharg fucking up them turntables surrounded by the heavily armed Terminator posse. Listen, there's too much thrill power coming out of those... Um DJ box. Yeah, I, I know music. Definitely. I, oh, I I want to say also. Um, I w- or actually no. Let let let, let me talk about it in a minute. Um, Prog mm-hmm. seven fifty nine. Anthony Williams draws Sam Smack in the Kissagram. Mm. A bit of a spoily cover because that's right at the end of Rome <laughs> of the Robo Hunter story. Fucking but, finally. Fuck you. Yeah. Get punched. In, in the Nerve Center, Tharg announces both the end of Universal Soldier and Robo Hunter, with oh, sequels on the way for both, and Future Shocks and Trash coming next episode. There's a big picture of a 2080 yearbook signing at Forbidden Planet that includes both that Dread cosplayer and Steve Pugh feeling up Kev Walker, which is pretty funny. Um, I sort of asked folks on the inter- on 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 a, on a Facebook. T- um, at a 2000 AD megaverse, just sort of if they had any information about this cosplayer. And I got some mm. pretty cool responses, actually. Um, a couple of people said it was like a Danish uh, bo- or a uh, maybe like a Dutch like bodybuilder guy who kind of spoke oh, with a funny cool. accent and stuff. But also just a lot about like them folks making this costume and things like that. Um, I mean, it, was it made- looks really good yeah a friend of the show steve green sort of told me that um this thing because he's in you know film production and stuff so he had an idea of it but um yeah it was it was sort of founded by a bunch of people by um you know just like igor gold kind a few other sort of 2000 ad um pr guys and they had this um this 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 costume made basically just for PR things, just to have like someone dress up as dread to show up at events and things like that. That's um, pretty rad. I mean it it for I, the I like look for yeah, the nineties, it looks fucking great. It certainly looks better than the Stallone version. I mean, I, I think they're really trying My to be babe. very, very close to the movies. Um or or or, or, or to the comics, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um 
and was um, made by this guy named Simon Moorhead, who worked on the sh- on the, on this show called The Bill, which was this really long running uh, British TV show that just had a lot of a big costume department and stuff like that, so they could kind of like bodge get up. away with it. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this dread costume, and, it, and it's been used, a, and like this one costume has been used a lot over the years. That's was, great. You, there was like uh, in the early '90s, there was a dread. Um, they there was a, a dread light gun game in in like production with like FMVs and stuff like that. Ooh. You can even you can even find some of these um, like 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 some of the videos they did for it. Conrad, of like, sort of like the uh, like the time crisis, like Terminator Two game. Conrad, kind of mold, I am you know? excited for you opening up this to me. Yeah, let me. I, I'll, I'll I'll send you these, and and I and I'll link them on in in the show notes, I guess. But um, I love you. Yeah, it's a really fun like subgroup, and it was I thought it was cool. Just like on the uh, in in the Megaverse, folks were just sort of talking about. Um, like just their memories of seeing this costume around and stuff. They tried to talk to, um, they tried to talk to like, or they like tried to talk to Judge Dredd, and it was often this like guy that couldn't really speak English very well, <laughs> like a bodybuilder. That's and so stuff. great. That's there's fantastic. Also, um, there's also a video of um, of uh, this of by uh, this by this actor Danny John Jules who was the cat on Red Dwarf who did a, a full like it seems like a movie length music video for this song Tongue Tied and about halfway through he has like a dream and someone in this Judge Dread costume shows up and like yells at him and then he gets um <laughs> like confronted oh. By reggae legend Judge Dredd, like spelled the normal way, who was like on the reggae scene before the Judge Dredd comic book character. The two of that, like he like calls him a, oh a, a like like a ripoff artist and stuff like that. Oh my god! It's all this like weird, just like minor video things that are a lot of fun. And so I'll I'll, I'll like link some of this stuff. Apparently, sadly, the costume just kind of got like lost and stolen and peat and stuff over the years like there's, I mean, there's that's, probably that's just gonna happen when you're using the same thing over and over again you know definitely what I mean? there's probably a lot of like smug nerds out there who have um um i have, have pieces one of quarter this, of yeah, the shoulder pad equal this judge red <laughs> costume and stuff like that exactly but yeah. they're all keeping mum because they don't want to they don't want to admit to it you know there's also there was later there's an anderson costume that has a similar fate i believe but anyway i just thought this is really fun like you said like 1991 feels really early for cosplay i guess like i don't even think the term had been invented yet or at least it hadn't made its way over well, no, to I, the I mean, US at that yet. point you you really are just doing mascot right yeah like, but so i just think it's a nice little i don't know slice of life for this stuff no it's neat yeah anyway um <laughs> the input page is a very weird picture of a judge chunda a very prim and proper looking scottish judge and they'll be far more rough and ready um soon enough um letters crow about finding a mint 1979 2080 annual Ooh. ask some hard questions about bix barton then if slain will return soon and not till 1993 although he was in the yearbook this year and a 40-year-old has become a 2000 AD fan. And as a 40-year-old 2000 AD fan, I say right back right, right back at you. That's young for 2000 AD fans t- uh, nowadays. Good work. Um, yeah. The prog ends oh with Oh, my a t- God. That puts him at like 60. Yeah. Um, 70, probably. Yeah. 
Think about it. Um, the Prague ends with a teaser poster for the thrill Trash, complete with a World Trade Center being overgrown with vines. And we'll learn right. more about that next episode. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you Fucking can't fault George somebody Bush for these having, vines. Oh, man. Having um, World Trade Centers in Oh, my God. That's why vines don't exist anymore. George oh Bush had them removed from the internet. Inside job. And speaking of inside jobs, Fox. <laughs> Let's go to Thrill 4, Universal Soldier. Script robot Alan McKenzie, art robot Brett Ewins, and Zach Sandler, letting robot Steve Potter. I, I am purely laughing because it's Universal Soldier. It it looks so good and is so nonsensical, Connor. Yep. In the Hertford Mountains, Max Brewster, the Universal Soldier, explains to Tim Kelly, the indestructible man, as they travel through varied terrain... That the Universal oh, Corporation made seven power crystals. Kelly's is the seventh. Max at the sixth. Kelly isn't clear how he got it a hundred years ago, but Brewster <laughs> assumed it's some kind of timey-wimey stuff. Apparently, the rest of the crystals have been lost or destroyed one way or another, mostly through violence or mishap. Anyway, Max has spent time with the six <laughs> crystals, and his powers give him insight into it that no one else has. The crystal's the ultimate weapon, and Max wants to teach him how to use it. Before they return to Heartbreak Rock to get his crystal, they reach Kelly's ship, but it's crashed into a rock that means it's time for some yoda shit as max teaches tim to tai the, yeah tai chi to harness his powers by doing some sweet tai chi moves in front of well, a giant setting sun so he's like what did you say this fighting style is called tai chi tai chi is not a fighting style it's like Man, a meditation yeah i i mean i don't want to I don't know enough about kung fu or sorry, yeah, I guess, I guess kung fu in this situation to explain it. the differences. I feel like you. I feel like there is a combat style of tai chi. So at least tai, at some point, tai chi like the evolutionary is, diverged or something. I it, like at least because I've been around people who do quite a bit of this. It's like it is a it is a technique of controlling muscles, breathing. And slowing down your movements in order to... It's effectively Chinese yoga, if you want to think about it that way. But you go real slow and control all your muscles, so then you can really speed up and, like, shoot energy balls and stuff like that, right? (sighs) That's my understanding of how all this stuff works. I'm not saying that this isn't... Oh God! What's that? Listen, buddy, movie I do all my now. training wearing a two hundred pound uh, turtle shell at all times. So when I take it off, I can jump over the moon. It's awesome. Listen, I'm not saying that they couldn't yeah, do Avatar, Master Roshi they can't, style. They can't. They can't. They, they, they can't bend flame or whatever because that's what I'm interested in. All I'm saying is that all they had to do was go to a pervert's tiny island. And learn how to do uh, their weird turtle style or whatever. Yeah, the Prague lived in peace until the Fire Nation attacked. Brewster and Kelly <laughs> survey the area, and they see more rangers coming on their on their tra- on their tails through Brewster's sweet night scope space binoculars, which is really gotta- rad. But don't poke your head over the rock, you ding dong, and let's elect. Basically, let's yeah. have electricity surround the both of us and do a chest crystal dance. Yeah, they got to do more Tai Chi as the sun rises. This seems to activate Kelly's gem, and they use it to uh, teleport to a Doctor Strange dreamscape with floating rocks and planets and stuff. I'm so glad you brought it up, because, like, what the fuck is going on in this comic I can't stress enough, Fox, that in my notes, in all caps, after this, it just says, Mm. okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, that's all of it. It's so... 
from here, I guess they teleport back to Heartbreak Rock, but they start a few hundred feet off the ground, crash to the trees, find their way to a nearby battlefield where I'm assuming the last Universal Soldier story took place. Brewster needs Kelly's help to find the crystal among the carnage, and he says it'll take like 30 minutes. The crystal will react Ooh. as it gets close, <laughs> and indeed, it seems to start reacting right away. Crystal's very close. In fact, oh, geez, it's an ambush. Those suits from the Universal's Corporation, along with some goons come burrowing out of the earth. I know, it's Crystal Waltz coming in here for the fucking Nazi. Uh, one of them has the crystal. He explains that he too has mastered the crystal and prepares to take Kelly to a medical facility to remove his and various evilness. But Brewster ain't care. Instead, he morphs. <laughs> Like he's, you know, time jumps into some kind of slain esque, distant future, ancient past type warrior. Starts killing Fighting these goblin goons. aliens and like there's some evil uh, wizards I'm, and uh, Kelly God, morphs into uh, his son who's watching the action with amusement from the sidelines. This the is suit's so now some dumb. kind of. The suit has turned into some kind of Skeletor-esque wizard and prepares to use the mines to use the crystals so the Unisol attack uh, starts to attack him. And then I'm I don't just know. gonna rub my Jo crystal in order to attack your delicious nips. Yeah, things get weird as Brewster cuts the hands off the suit holding the gem. He claims that he claims it for his own, then returns to the present with Kelly. And Kelly says Brewster can't keep the stone. The Universal, the Universal Corporation will hound him for it, like they have for him. Plus, he, you know, he wants to be the one to kill these guys, and who wants to live a life of fighting? The two suits Ugh. are still there. Seemingly still in their form from Max's last time jump, which is a little confusing. Yeah, kill, killed this vampire man with a golden axe that you have yeah. or whatever. And since they arrived Even though you had a sword last time, it's like, what's going on with Universal Soldier, man? Yeah. I just don't understand what the fuck is happening. Yeah, that's fine. He, he learns they arrived <laughs> on that medicalist shuttle and then he uses the crystal to destroy the suits, but he doesn't actually kill them. Instead, he's wiped their memories and sent them to a kind of prison. He explains all this as he and Kelly get in the medical shuttle and fly off into the kaleidoscopic night, which is actually really nice. I really like the art in here. The sky's yeah, just no. full of stars and craziness. It's, the suits, it's like uh, gorgeous art mixed with the most – like I – we're okay. Let Was me just the writer up, high as done, fuck? Okay, Probably. Go ahead. Yeah, the suits um, are in a kind of prison because they've been turned into babies and have a chance to grow up <laughs> all over again. It's real weird, especially because the suit that got his arm cut off is now a one-armed baby. I don't know, man. The yeah, two oh, no, no, it's better. I don't know anymore, but I did it because he'll have a token of that one time he did stuff, but he won't yeah. remember it because I'm a benevolent god. The two gem bears fly up into space, the end, and that's the end for real of Universal Soldier, though Kelly will return in both the 2080 action special in 1992 and then for a full series in 1993. So what you're telling me is is that in two years, I have to read more of this. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I got to say, like, there's some really – well, the art's a little – like, I don't know. There's some – like, I think the art has some really great moments. I really like yes. – like, like, it's got this kind of oil slick, like, coloration going on, I think. Yeah. Um, 
which I assume is from Sandler. And then, of course, Brett Ewins is a classic great artist. But this really feels like a waste of, of, of what could potentially be a really great art team on a really insane, nonsensical plot. I, I, so I, I said this to you before we took a small break. I read all of this, Conrad, and it's not like it's a, a massive amount of text. I don't understand what happened. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Ugh. It's like at the end of the second universe. Do you remember the end of the second Universal Soldier story? Yeah, with the guy who they, they kept the building up, and then the he gym. did a then he did a microwave oven with his crystal. Yeah, but 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 basically, where the other guy had a gem too, and so Brewster drew on his storage chip to become somebody who had mastered like way future use of the crystal. It's kind of a thing like that, sure. I guess. But honestly, it's just kind of some bullshit. Like I don't know this it stuff. It really does feel like quote kind of some bullshit, and like, then kind of some bullshit happens. End quote. Like more than a lot of things, this really felt like. Um, Alan, like they really wanted to kind of tell a story about um the industry about uh, uh uh Kelly's eye and bring that into a sci-fi setting, and they had one or two kind of set pieces of um time travel <laughs> combat, I think, and then they just I- kind of they built a story around those, but it's not a very good story, and definitely one of these ones where it's like. <laughs> We we just need to – they just kind of drop the hammer and that's the end essentially. Yeah. No, I feel like there could have been something here. I I mean universe – it's just that they have the scaffolding of Universal Soldier already. And instead of – because the original premise of Universal Soldier was like he can tap into any time in the past yeah, history and of really humans taken, and do really a kung fu. At, and that's really taken a back seat to all this crystal stuff that they added in the second section they've been setting on for. Honestly, I think like I've I, I feel like I've joked about this in previous Universal Soldiers, but this really this version this edition especially really feels like Alan McKenzie using his sub editor status to write the stories that he wants to write that might not have passed editorial muster if he wasn't editing them, if he wasn't putting the comic together himself, yeah, basically. It, it, I mean, let's do Tai Chi and then go through time and space on a rock that we're holding on to. Like, there, there just isn't any through line for it, and I hate it so much. I, But it's, like, saved by the art, in a way. I don't think it, like... I just want to differentiate the art from the story. Like, I don't think yes. it's saved by it, but I think the art's good, and I don't want to. I don't want to come down on that. But everything else is. I'm, I want to come down. There's on. there's okay. a reason <laughs> that I'm very specifically calling it out because I have a very clear bottom. <laughs> All right. So hey, so um, speaking of uh, futuristic warriors, Fox, Hell as always, yeah. Thrill Five ABC Warriors. ABC Warriors. Bam, 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 Script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner. Art robot Kevin Walker. Letting robot Steve Potter. Talking about a fucking comic with a goddamn through line that I'm interested in. Hey, speaking of our uh, opening uh, guitar riffs, we opened this one with Deadlock wailing on one of those guitars that are like double guitars. No, double neck guitars. Yeah, has a a keytar built into the top as well. I didn't even notice the top keytar because it doesn't even have... So here's what I'll tell you. 
looking at it right now, it doesn't even have strings on it. So you have to key tar while also touching the double necks of the guitar. You I'm need sure it's got three like arms. laser spring strings or something like that. But oh, he explains, man, I love it. Yeah, that the warrior's next target is for our, is is the institution of science, and we see some evil boffins messing around with the exposed brain of a Freud, one of those uh, guys that like doesn't yeah. shoot violence when they sleep and are very nice but immobile when they're awake, causing them to shift from friendly from friendly awake state to violent asleep state by manipulating their brains. They'll have constant living nightmares, but they can also be perfect soldiers. So at least there's a benefit from their usual pointless cruelty good times you know a good story and this is what i'll say i remember these little goblin people from this story because they made it matter multiple times and now they're making it matter again they're torturing these little dudes yeah and the scientists are very openly talking about the fact that they just like being very cruel and um and like hurt things for no reason and maybe something comes of it eventually because the planet has caused them to just sort of um drop their usual facade of men of science versus just being huge bastards to everybody I, pretty I good love it. anti anti lab work like animal testing kind of uh, states here from Oh from I Bad mean Mills. if if you didn't if you thought it was subtext it becomes very much no, no, actual no, text when the lab is on in. the face of it for sure so um meanwhile the abc warriors are kicking ass and looking extremely cool while doing so god deadlock damn, reports the whole team is reverting to extremely chaotic states mongrel has lost the ability to speak black blood and morgan are also really getting into it mechwake is maybe too dumb to for it to really matter let's meditate yeah as he punches people and kills them all and it seems like the last two his last two targets for this chaos stuff are both hammerstein joe and 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 joe pineapples because yeah hammerstein's too rigid and and pineapples is just a mass of hang-ups and taboos and stuff to really embrace chaos i mean he well i i at least in part of me it's like joe (sighs) joe's seen too much man and he's also got the most rippled but like i want joe to be my boyfriend i mean you know we'll see where this all goes but definitely definitely there's a like joe's got a lot of things that are keeping him from being his authentic self at the moment yeah um they break through the wall of the lab to take out the boffins, but the scientists are not without defenses. The head guy just casually presses a button and activates an electro impulse no, scrambler. He's... Instantly takes out all the warriors except for Deadlock, who immediately makes a run for it. He's got some gardening to take care Listen, of. Listen, he's got he's this dude has a sphere where if you touch it with your hands, the little like electrode things like kind of attached yeah. to where your fingertips go. You know, and that's yeah, gonna fucking orb. destabilize Absolutely. these robots. Definitely. So Deadlock runs off full like yipe, yipe, yipe mode, gets on his bike, <laughs> takes off over the hills. Oh, I love it. It's a corpse run, the man needs some seeds. We'll be back to this later. Yeah. In fact, Meanwhile, immediately. The scientists wire in the pain receptors of the bots. It's time to test out some new weapons. You know, get the Labrador puppies out of here. We're gonna shoot these guys with consciousness. It's gonna be fun. I just, you know, animal testing on the nose. It's like, oh, let's get rid of these little puppies that we were shooting before. Let's shoot these robots. 
Yeah, definitely. So the scientists, they're shooting the hell out of our robot heroes, and their quips and wisecracks aren't powerful enough to protect them for long, as the scientists bring out heavier ordnance. As a plasma cannon is set up... Oh, Dead God, Rocks. I love this thing. Because it's, it's like larger, so much larger than a human. It's basically yeah. the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids laser, but like <laughs> massive. Literally, honestly. Um, Deadlock sneaks through the facility, setting the gun to shoot, but to free the warriors. This sends them into, of course, a kill crazy frenzy. Hammerstein loses his helmet in the process. I and love super it. scientists are at bay. He sort of gets that uh, um, dead um, Hammerstein from the Dread movie, actually, look when he gets the helmet yeah, off with the, the flat, flat top, top and stuff. Deadlock, back from his gardening, has brought some dragon bush seeds, also known as dragon's teeth. They suspend the lead scientist over the seeds, douse him with him and the seeds with the blood sap from the previous adventure. And this causes the seeds to come alive, new shoots of growth rising up, lashing out into the scientist, digging into his body and causing massive amounts of pain. Until Deadlock real visceral. Yeah, real good. Good way to kill somebody. Until eventually Deadlock pulls his sword and claims another head for For head for Hecate. Their work done for now. The team returns to their tavern home base where Rojaws is tending bar. There. Deadlock can, uh, tells them the fifth target, but Rojas tells them the bad news. The Empire has heard of their little murder campaign and are sending their elite shock troops to deal with them. The Imperial Rottweilers! Yeah, it really looks like... Um, they, no, Conrad, they, I can't <laughs> can't super place what these guys remind me of. It's like... Um, they look extremely like a Space Marine Terminators, Fox. Oh, my God. Like the other uh, models and stuff, especially the like sort of, again, like Space Hulk versions that would have been in oh, stores at the moment. I, I fucking I love it because it, it is verbatim. Uh, like these characters, just and like, like the and like the fact that they've given them these like kind of snub nose Rottweiler heads, yeah. still it looks like they the look helmets. a lot like Terminator helmets from um, from from Warhammer forty thousand. But it, you know, I'm listen. I'll tell you, Fox. Okay. So much of Warhammer forty k is blatantly stolen from Pat Mills already. Yeah, be it. A ton of Nemesis the Warlock. Like the fact that the Terminators in 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 40k are called that is at <laughs> least loosely ripped off from the uh, from the the soldiers of Termite in Nemesis. I like well, so that's like, the thing. Is, all that it, stuff. It, it, like the ideology of the Empire in, in 40k is clearly Termite from Nemesis. Like you know, the point of rooting out the unclean and stuff like that. Given given the protogenesis of everything, I really feel like there is a large contingent that should be less litigious about these things. Through all this, we've all I should say like <sighs> It's been hard to sort of recap it, but through this whole story, we've been seeing a list of like letters and communications Deadlock's been making with his job at like the University of Chaos somewhere, at the College of Chaos. And through all this, we've also been like this final prog. We've been reading a letter sent to Deadlock by one of his superiors at the College of Chaos saying that while Deadlock's adventures are droll and amusing, they aren't what their Academy of Higher Learning is really looking for. So he's been fired and can no longer access the coffers of the college. I like I love that he goes to an ATM 
and can't yeah. get money out. <laughs> Not just that he can't get money, but that um, the ATMs, the calling the cops, the credit police are on their way, and it tries to electrocute and kill him. But instead, Deadlock jumps out of the way, sets uh, sets the place on fire, and walks off laughing into the night. Hey, listen, man, you can't destroy this robot. <laughs> You know, he knows what's coming. He's he's an arch master of chaos and stuff. Anyway, the end of the part one of the Chronicles of Chaos. The ABC Warriors will return for part two in spring of next year. Lovely. Fucking lovely. And some of the best art. You know what? I would even posit the best art of this month. Yeah, Kev Walker's a a really great artist for sure. My many magic cards will tell you. But... (laughs) Hey, speaking of things that are lovely, Fox. Oh, you speak to my heart, you Let's fucking murderer. Go to Thrill Six Anderson Side Vision. Oh, God. You know, I don't care what incarnation it is. Um, I'm a Bolland man personally, but mm, she's classic. always beautiful. For sure. Yeah, script robot Alan Grant, art robot David Roach, lettering robot Steve Potter. All right, and Grant Part 2. We last saw the story back in February, so about nine months or so, with the big God. cliffhanger of side judge Cassandra Anderson straight-jacketed in a padded room. We'll recall, and they actually give us a, a, a recap of this, that Anderson followed a perp into the cursed earth, saw a weird ceremony involving a baby, and then started having strange hallucinations of a masked figure that led her to do real-world violence. A psi probe revealed some deep psychological blocks, and Anderson's hallucinations progressed that she became a danger to herself and others. And then she had to get all drooly in a cube by herself. I mean, that's what you do when, when you're a danger to yourself and others, I guess. You got to toss them in there. At Side Division, uh, Side Chief Schenker uh, consults with another Side Judge. Anderson's vitals are stable, but her brain readings are off the chart. She's fighting a war in there. She's on heavy meds, but other treatments risk damaging her powerful mind permanently. She'll have to deal with it herself as we look into her mind and see it full of terrifying visions, mostly of dark judges. I mean, she, the way that she looks at her mind is a graveyard. It is a very harrowing look into how Anderson kind of perceives her reality. Yeah, in the Psycho Cube, Anderson reflects on the monsters she's fought. The friends she's lost, the enemy she's bested. The only way out of her position is in, so she travels into the graveyard of her mind and things get extremely gothic. She's wearing this uh, long flowing gown as she walks among the tombstones and stuff. It's very it's very Judge Anderson by way of Misty as we kind of mm. come in here. This classic uh, girls horror comic in the Eng- or a uh, uh, spook comic in the uh, in, and in England. And then she is visited by the mystical super. <laughs> she reflects that maybe Judge Curry was right. If it's better to just die than pervert your gifts for to heart pe- to harm pe- heart people to hurt people when suddenly a star falls from the sky. It's a coach pulled by skeletal horses, the driver in a Victorian top hat, and buddy, it's Judge Death. Why is Judge Death a mystical sperm? That's just the you know, he's in a glowing carriage and it's got a light trail coming okay, after it, yeah, buddy. But if you're gonna do that, you might as well do it beforehand. But instead they're like, mm, I'm going to envelop your mind. I'm going to penetrate just, you know, your egg with my idea. 
Hmm, I don't know if it's consciously a sperm, but I'm willing to go with that as well. It doesn't matter. Uh, listen, no, no, it's obviously not. She's, you know, she knows what it's about. She knows that, like, she. what I like about it is that, you know, once she sees the effigy of death, she's like, ah, I mean, we're going to get into this in a moment. But yeah, I, I just like where it goes. Uh, I don't, hey, we're still yeah. going on. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be pretty cool. So the uh, the the dark judge sort of pulls up and seems quite polite, even as Anderson attacks him. He's not here to fight. He's just a figment of her own imagination. He's Wizard of Oz in here. Come on, back off. It's good. It's good. Anderson, meanwhile, sees a gravestone. Cassandra Anderson died age three, and she wants to know what is up with that tombstone ghost. Mm-hmm. She's now she's now ghost of Christmas futuring him. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> a lot of I'm references. Tell this ghost of Christmas future. <laughs> Death doesn't know what's up, but says she can find out if she gets in his coach. She's ske- oh. she's skeptical, but agrees. And dra- Death drives off laughing, mostly because I feel like it's con- it's contractually obligated for this kind of thing. Yeah, kids, just you know, just as a, a point of fact, don't get inside of of Death's. Uh, horse drunk carriage. fine. Yeah, I would okay. say more if you summon up, if your brain summons up a guide who's already a, a skeleton, you got to assume he's going to be pretty laughy as he goes. Like, Oh, I've got no problem with this imagine, laughitude. Skeletons should laugh. Yeah, imagination skeletons especially are quite a jolly bunch. Um, spooky, scary <laughs> skeletons. I don't think they're that spooky, scary. I think it's just that song. Yeah. So Anderson is nervous about death, having him and just sort of the general idea. You know, she kind of recalls like past adventures, like when she was, you know, during their first encounter when she was trapped in boying with him in her in her head for a long time. Yeah. Could he have laid some brain traps for her? Maybe. But she knows that whatever she's dealing with now isn't caused by him, but something far deeper. Mm. Subconscious. Yeah, yeah, there's there's brain deals. Um, the flying coach approaches a huge mountain and into a cave flanked by giant stone statues of judges and eagles. They've arrived. In the halls of the mountain judge, mountain judge, mountain judge. <laughs> yeah, th- they're at their journey's end. The hall also, of the judges. Also, why is the eagle a pterodactyl head? Well, I mean, that could be death's shoulder thing because his shoulder thing's a... Uh... A pterodactyl, you know? A pterodact. Um, mm. um, Anderson heads out, leaving death behind. She enters this cave filled with giant judge statues. She sees, she feels them to be the judges of the human soul. Something from her past is looking inside, and this is where they meet. Next time, Fox, the Bridge of Sighs. Ah, uh, do you get it? I feel like you have so, to use that pun when you tell an Anderson story. So, the... A, a bridge of size. Yeah. The the purpose of it um, in the medieval sense is that uh, when you are being transferred to a jail, sometimes it is over a body of water, like a river. Okay. Right? So the purpose of it is I'm walking over this bridge and it is a bridge with, you know, walls around it and I can see out a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that you look to the left or right as an inmate going into a dank, disgusting prison where you can only shit, like, in the corner. Mm-hmm. Because it is your last look 
at the outside that you will never see again. Really? I thought that the Bridge of Spies was like where they no, did, where they traded POWs and stuff like that. Because like the, they walked on one end, from one end of the bridge to another. And it was like there was different countries on other sides of the bridge. So that, so that is not incorrect. But the Bridge of Sighs, like a sigh. Huh. So the most um, uh, uh, famous example of this is the Doge's Palace in um in venice oh. so they is would that take called the bridge pr- of spies or is that something it is else? called the bridge of size but there are multiple oh, bridges size. of size yeah exactly so i there are, see there are multiple bridges of size there's even one here in cambridge a bridge of size which is a covered bridge of you know kind of brick and mortar or, or a stone and mortar um where you would go from one end of keep to the actual jails. And they have an open window for you to look at the outside and be like, oh, God, I'm never going to see this again. See, I much prefer the Bridge of Size where you hang out with Raphael from the Ninja Turtles. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, and where Fox. You- this is you. You made my day. And, and maybe Electra like, from Marvel Comics. But Fox, I want to know what your top and bottom thrills for this comic are. Jesus. I mean, after that. All right. Look. <clears throat> this is I, like I feel somewhat responsible for what I'm about to say. Somewhat. Um, I'm giving. I'm giving my top to Strontium Dog. Ooh, Strontium Dogs. Strontium Dogs. Gotta be um, multiple. Now the reason behind this is I feel that it is very much coming into its own um, in terms of that it is standing without um, without Johnny Alpha, right? And mm-hmm. I think the turn the the kind of turn of the story really came with hey, you know, I I was having a baby. My baby was a mutant, and it's a mother's revenge with uh, Brit, Brett, Brunk, Brooke? Bet, Bet, um, and with Feral probably turning into a disgusting creature and expressing his love very bleakly. Like I, I'm so bought into the story and where it's going, especially because they made the villain that much more villainous. Right? I'm gonna shoot you guys. <laughs> After I get what I want, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this building that's going on there that I feel like is this really good story paired with, uh, like I would say, superb artwork, right? Mm-hmm. I'm I and and all of the comics that we read today, great artwork, right? Love it. Um, wouldn't wouldn't shit on it uh, whatsoever. However, um, we're talking about a thrill here. So like, what's what's engaging me? Man of Man, Strontium Dogs, I want to see where it goes. And I also want to understand why everyone is drinking um, with 45 degree angle straws. <laughs> Everybody's drinking with them. Feral's yeah. drinking with them. All the mutants are drinking with 45 degree angle straws. That's the hip What's new that thing. About? You got those bendy straws. That's new technology in 1991. I, just, I won't I, hear otherwise. I just need to know. What are they drinking? Um, in terms of bottom, Jesus Christ, man. I I honestly I honestly want to say that it is Robo Hunter, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I probably should because it's not yeah. good. It's not good. But here's the real problem, right? 
I feel that Universal Soldier has interesting artwork, beautiful artwork, but it's paired with absurdity that I cannot comprehend. And therefore, it's this crux of like, you have people who can create something that looks beautiful, and you've wasted their time and opportunity with something that quite literally doesn't make sense. I hated reading Universal Soldier because I read it mm-hmm. and I didn't understand it. And I, like, uh, but I loved the look of it and it constantly let me down. Whereas Robo Hunter, I looked at it. I knew what was going on. I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. So that's my bottom. <laughs> I guess. Fair. Conrad. Yo. I require of you. Mm. Top and bottom thrills. Oh, man. I mean, I'll, I'll take Universal Soldier as my bottom. That's a bad story. <laughs> don't care for it. Get out of here. I don't, I don't need to deliberate over it. That's, I'm happy to say that. Um, top's a little tougher. Yeah. I thought we had some fun. Again, just some fun um, story, like a big story ending and then some one-offs in Dread. Those are pretty fun. They were. They were um, really fun. I love the I love the hilarity of it. You know, yeah. Again, I like when fatties show up, and we again, like we just had a big discussion with dreads. So that's pretty solid. Um, Stranium Dog, not or or I like Stranium Dog pretty well. Um, I mm. do think it's kind of interesting, just sort of creating this world and this conflict and stuff like that. It's got a very, it feels very, uh, very adult. I think, yeah, or, a, a t- or like Shades of Gray. Is what I'm trying to say when I say adult of just like the idea that you've got what seem to be these two sides, but neither one is really really believes it that much, or like like the people who should be heroic freedom fighters are They're actually not. just craven um, gangsters essentially. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's pretty interesting. And then and, and it you, comments on that right, like that I think yeah. was was interesting. And you've also got this like flawed hero of uh, of Feral and stuff. I, I think that's kind of an interesting that, that, that's that interesting stuff going on. Um, I, um, ABC Warriors, real fun. I, again, I love the art and just the, um, the, the, the silliness of it. Like, I think there's some really funny parts in this ABC Warriors story combined with these explosions and things like that. It's almost Looney Tunes in its effect. Definitely. And I feel like, again, I love that you do the skeleton warriors things every time. It does feel (laughs) like it's, it, it is for all that for like, when you add in the gothic art is still at, at just about that level, which I think is a very good level, actually. I think this is yeah. very, a lot of a lot of fun just in kind of a here's a hyper-violent Saturday morning cartoon kind of thing. It, it takes itself that way and then delivers on the hyper-violence. Yeah, because I feel like – honestly, I think a, a, a problem that can come with a lot of Pat Mills stuff is when it takes itself too seriously. And so I think oh, that – Oh, yeah. No, that's when we get into like let's go to Islands that. of the Zodiac or whatever. And it's like, all Something. right, bud. I mean, I like that Slane stuff too. No, but I, mean, I, I, I think do. It's a, I think maybe more just some of the some of the Nemesis stuff where it's like, okay, guys, like I don't know about all this. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think – but I, I, I do think for my top – Oh, sorry. Um, Anderson, really fun, really interesting start to the story. I really think that this this story specifically, as opposed to some of the other Roach Anderson, David Roach Andersons, is really playing to his strengths. Like Mm. 
getting a beautiful woman into a graveyard in a flowing gown. <laughs> that is like, Mwah, that's like the exact thing that you want with David Roach. You know, that's getting, that's like, um, you know, that's like taking your water Pokemon to the ocean or something like that. Like he's just got, he's just got natural stat bonuses to everything going on or okay. whatever in that setting. So I think that's really great. But I think in the end for my tops, or I just did a quick run over. No, of course. I, I'm going to say dread for my top Fox. Um, I, I like that because one of us needed to, you know like, what I mean? I liked these. Um, yeah. I like these stories about mega citizens and fatties. I really like the end of um, the the end of Devil You Know, the election story. I mean, you know, we talked about it for like 20 minutes or something like that. We're ready for ju- a palate Just cleanser. that story. Yeah, and I think really sort of brought up some interesting things about just sort of the role of Judge Dredd and the stories that, you know, we can tell with him and what we should be looking forward to for this Ennis run. You know, we're kind of getting towards the end of the... F- I, I, I think this caps the first year mm. of Ennis being the primary author for Dread. You know, he kind of took over post-Necropolis and he's been going for most of 1991. And I think this was kind of ends up being kind of a statement about kind of what he sees the larger, um, like the, the morality of Dread a little bit. You know, I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes, of course, but I, I, I just did like this thing to just sort of you know have a big world changing event in dread that sort of establishes his administration of of the character i guess uh, no, um, and i i think yeah. that, that no it, it has super validity here because it's yes we're exiting this important time you know it was one episode for our prog uh, yeah. or or for our recording this time but every other installment was like back to business dread yeah if that makes yeah. sense and then we're back to business investigating crimes and um just sort of dealing with mega city one ridiculousness you know we had crazy mega citizen fatties and dinosaurs in the cross of three oh, things yeah, yeah. Very much oh no we dealt with this usual. democratic thing but now we've got to deal with dinosaurs you i mean know you know I mean? it's the minute to minute stuff of mega city one for sure it's beautiful. all right yeah <clears throat> And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitch at the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. And the 2080 forums are our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. For everything else, look at Space Spinner 2000. You'll find us there. This show's, yeah, this show's brought to you by Steve Greens and Kip Miller and your friends at the 2080 forums. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash Cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive a bunch of excellent rewards, including advanced episodes, coverage of Modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and even monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. And then yeah. come back next time as we get started on some trash. Finish up both Strontium <laughs> Dogs and Judge Anderson. Say goodbye to a classic creator and have returns from Bix Barton, Durham Red, and even <gasps> our old buddy, oh, I Max love Normal. Oh, I love Max Normal also. It's going to be exciting. Oh, and this is going to be a good episode. That's right. Finishing up 1991 in style. And until then, I'm Conrad East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. I'm excited for stuff.
know, that's the upside All right, nice. of being of being podcast husbands is that we can you know, <laughs> send husbands. It's just me and Conrad. We're gonna give birth to this podcast. Who's yeah. the mommy? Who's the daddy? No one, because it's just two dads. It's dad based podcast. I think I'm more of the mom though. Like I feel um, like I feel like if one of us is pushing this podcast out through our butt and or dick, it's probably me in comparison to you being more of a hand-holding support role. No offense. I just got to edit it and stuff like that, you know. I'm going, I'm fucking insane, man. That was, that was too good. <laughs> well you're getting weird oh okay oh okay i'm dropping this down to 80 oh my god i'm seeing stars that was so funny you pushed that my ass and or did well i mean you know it depends on what you're, your setting is with, for this for for, for, with, for your mpreg reality buddy i don't know what you're doing